Ranger Garage. It's the Trail Talk Show. Welcome everyone to episode 31 of the show where I talk trails, gear, rides, and more in the off-road community. I'm your host Jordan Hewlett. Thank you for tuning in. If you're new to the show, click the subscribe button. New episodes each week as long as I don't have any scheduling conflicts such as last week where I was down in Vegas for the best in the deserts of Vegas to Reno the 485-mile race in the desert from north of Las Vegas through a grueling course ending just south of Reno in Dayton, Nevada. First part of this episode, I'm going to give you my recap and give it to you through my eyes, Vegas to Reno this year. Over 400 entries between... All of the the different series, over 140 UTVs alone in the event. Um, we went down on Tuesday and to qualify on Wednesday. Um, just as the Fallon race, our previous event, um, we were still battling some suspension issues in qualifying. Um, just some issues with our shocks. Um, on top of that, we discovered an electrical issue that uh, kept us up late Wednesday night and again on Thursday after Tech and Contingency. Tech and Contingency was an absolute blast. Um, just being, just having the opportunity to be there and, and meet some of the biggest names in off-road racing, um, you know, Ken Block, Bryce Menzies, um, Ricky Brabeck, Sarah Price, Dustin Jones, um, the big names, the big, the big boys, the guys with a lot of money, a lot of power in their cars. Um, so yeah, our qualifying run wasn't what we wanted it to be. That's for sure. Um, but nevertheless, we threw a ton of work by our team and then the guys at King Shocks um, going out of their way to get us um, some different springs to start the race on was um, was a huge deal. Um, so again, Thursday night, the night before the race, we were we were up till two or two thirty in the morning, um, changing parts and shaking down the car. And I'm I'm almost confident that the uh, the other patrons staying in the hotel that weren't there race related in Tonopah. Probably not big fans of us were out there rattling impacts at uh, 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, a couple quick shakedown runs Friday morning before we loaded and headed to um, to the start line. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, got the car as ready as we thought we could be. Um, Starting the race was was Bill, our team owner and owner of the company I work for, um, in the driver's seat, and myself as the co-driver. Um, started out really good. Car has a ton of speed. Um, our race car is a Polaris Razor Turbo S4 um, converted chassis into a race car, custom cage, all that fun stuff. Um, made it through the first part of the course pretty pretty seamless. Um, didn't have any issues until we got to um, about race mile twenty, 
where our electrical issue that we thought we had figured out um, reared its head again um, and actually stopped us dead in the middle of the course, um, just completely killed the car, lost power. Um, real, real bad spot to be to be stopped. Um, thankfully, without incident, we were able to get the car refired um, and continued down the course a little ways farther until we made the decision to pull off the course because um, there was a concern that we were on fire. We could smell smell something burning um, and we were right at race mile. I think we were at 21 or 22 when um, we pulled off the course um, and what we discovered was a improperly mounted battery bracket and it actually grounded to the car and the bracket had moved and welded itself to the uh, to the positive terminal of the battery. So um, definitely disappointing. It actually melted a section of the battery open. We, we were losing battery acid. Um, so pretty, pretty terrible situation. Um, through, uh, through some hustle, um, we were able to get the car to fire, um, got the engine running, got it to race mile 25, which was about the halfway point between the start and the first pit. Um, and from there we elected to leave the race course and head to the highway and we actually drove up uh, Nevada Highway 95 a few miles to get to um, our pit where our day was done. Um, so again, very disappointing for our team, our partners, everybody involved. Um, we loaded up and we were back in uh, we were back in Reno by I think 10:30 is when I rolled into the, rolled into the house. Um, but overall, uh, an absolutely awesome experience um, to be at Vegas or Vegas to Reno this year. Super, super disappointed we didn't uh, get to run a little more of the course and, and experience what uh, everyone said was probably the most challenging, challenging course of the year. Um, but overall, still a super cool event to be a part of. Um, and course conditions were pretty much the first topic of conversation for anyone, uh, whether they crossed the finish line or not. Um, I talked to some guys who completed the race. Um, they ran into thunderstorms. There were actually track changes the night before the race due to um, washouts from recent storms. Um, in the end of the event... Um, Dalton Shirley and Jacob Albright um, riding a factory Husqvarna were the first open pro motorcycle team um, to finish and and they were the overall um, winner for Vegas Torino. Um, pretty cool to see the motorcycle classes seem to just absolutely dominate this year. Um, Ricky Brabeck um, and his team was second. Um, third was Hayden Hines, Trevor Hunter, and Nick Stover um, on their KTM. And you got to go down the uh, down the f official or unofficial results quite a ways. 
before you start getting into um, some of the big guys, some of the big trucks, the UTVs, um, and guys who actually finished um, the race. Vegas Torino, if you're not familiar with the event, has a massive attrition rate. Um, I don't know the exact percentage of guys who generally finish um, in the trophy trucks was Ryan Urshiro, Kyle Washington, and Travis Moore out of Huntington Beach, California um, to take it home. And then the first 6,100 car um, was Dustin, Dustin Grabowski and Christian Fessler. Um, you know, they did a, the trucks are amazing just to see what they can do and, and the speed they carry. But the bikes won it, which is incredible. Um, in overall results, you got to go all the way back to 29th overall um, to find the first UTV Turbo, which was the class we run in. Um, Austin Wheeland and his Can-Am team, which included uh, Justin Ragg, Curtis Ragg, and Garrett Stone, out of El Cajon, California, went in the Turbo class. Um, so pretty, pretty impressive um, overall. And then you got guys like Bryce Menzies, the king of off-road, who, who didn't finish. And that just goes to show you um, how difficult Vegas Torino is and how difficult the course is when somebody like Bryce Menzies um, doesn't finish the race. But Ken Block, for example, um, in his first ever attempt, in his really his first ever off-road race, um, coming home in 10th in the trophy truck. So pretty awesome for him. Cool to see Ken Block out there racing this style of racing. If you don't know who Ken Block is, um, I don't know what to tell you. you. You probably live under a rock or you don't follow racing. If you don't follow racing and you listen to my podcast, that's fine. I don't talk about racing a whole lot, but um, this week's about racing to start the episode because that's basically my week in review is um, recapping the festivities of Vegas Torino. Um, other than that... Um, it was nice to get home fairly at a fairly decent hour on Saturday. I mean, if we'd have run the race, we'd have been home at three or four in the morning. Um, so to so to get home and have some time to to spend at home throughout the weekend, hit the hit the reset button. Um, Caitlin and I went for a drive on Saturday up into uh, the Lassen National Forest, um, I guess where we could go in the National Lassen, Lassen National Forest, um, given what's going on with the wildfires and, and everything going on, I mean, it's it's absolutely burning up up there. Um, the smoke was awful. Um, just to, this, and the devastation, and it continues to grow, and there's new fire starts in our region. Thankfully, today we were we were spared from from a lot of the smoke. The wind switched directions, and we had some cooler temperatures, so it kept the smoke um, out of our face for a day. Um, it sounds like it's going to return tomorrow, but uh, 
saying a hope and a prayer for all the firefighters and all the men and women um, fighting those fires. And since we're talking about tragedies and terrible things, there was a accident on course at Vegas Torino fairly early in the day at race mile 11. Um, a car who started, I think, three or four positions right behind us had a mechanical issue early. Um, and obviously, until there's an official story released, I don't know all the details. But what I've heard is the driver got out of the car to begin walking back to a checkpoint to get help. Um, a car went by. He thought he was cleared across the race course. Um, he was not. He was struck by another car, and it took his life. Um, a tragedy all the way around. No one wants to see anybody get hurt, and in the off-road community, we talk about all the time how it's a family, and it's the same in off-road racing. Um, so a tragedy all the way around. Um, and so what that ended up doing was it put a stoppage to the start of the race. So cars that hadn't started yet actually ended up in a two hour and 30 some minute delay. And they actually ended up changing the section of the course, um, to avoid the accident scene. Um, so thoughts and prayers are with his friends, family, and, and his race team and everybody involved with with what happened at Race Mile 11 um, at Vegas, Torino. So carrying on with this week's episode, um, gonna transition a little bit here. A um, couple episodes ago, we talked about Arctic Cat and Polaris dropping 2022 units. And a quick recap on that, if you missed that, is no, no more XP Turbo for Polaris, no more Turbo S for Polaris, um, and Arctic Cat coming strong this year with three new or four new models of their Wildcat platform for the first time in, in quite a few years. So it was only a matter of time until Can-Am showed up to the party. And, and in Can-Am fashion, um, you know, waited till the, the last minute to, to be one of the last of the party. Obviously, they're not the last of the party. We still haven't heard from Honda and we still haven't heard from CF Moto. I've don't know why it took me so long to think that. So Can-Am for 2022, I'll do a quick overview of all of their models. They, the Commander, the Defender, the Maverick X3, the Maverick Sport, and the Maverick Trail. Um, I'm not going to dive into the Commander Defender. That's more their utilitarian line. Um... I can touch on them later in the episode if I have time. But obviously the one that everybody's been waiting to see is the Maverick line, especially the Maverick X3. Um, if not the most popular 
chassis right now in off-road for 2022 so far because Polaris hasn't announced a 72-inch unit yet. Um, Can-Am did. I mean, Can-Am obviously didn't make any wholesale changes to their lineup, but they continued to, to grow their lineup, including... Um, 72-inch two-seat and 72-inch four-seat models, which have become really, really popular in in the desert, especially in off-road racing. Um, these guys that are running these pro-turbo classes want that 72-inch chassis to uh, be able to, to run and have the stability. Um, some of the highlights in... Um, Can-Am's announcement, um, up to 200 horsepower. They've improved their advanced airflow dynamics. Um, and they say their lineup is tougher, faster, and more agile than ever. That's an exact quote from Can-Am's website, actually. But... I'm on the fence here, looking at their their lineup. So obviously, I I've made it aware that I work for a Polaris dealer. I own a Polaris. I'm I'm dedicated to Polaris. Um, Polaris makes, and again, this is everything I say on my show is my opinion. Um, Polaris makes some of the best off-road vehicles on the planet. And there's enough evidence in the world behind that to do, to have a solid argument that with anybody that wants to dispute it. Um, Polaris leads in technology. Polaris leads in engineering and design. But we can't have a conversation about off-road vehicles and sports side-by-sides without talking about that shakeup to Polaris's lineup not releasing a 72-inch. Now, is Polaris going to reach a 72-inch? I don't know, and I work for a Polaris dealer. I have no clue. You can read on the internet and through the forums and everything like that that there is a 72-inch in the works. But it wasn't announced with their 2022 lineup, and... There's no light at the end of the tunnel for the hardcore Polaris guys um, when that's going to come out. So the ability to order a 72-inch Polaris is gone. And what the off-road community is seeing is the Can-Am lineup with the Maverick X3 growing quickly. Um, because of that. So some of the changes to Can-Am coming, obviously I'm not going to go through detail by detail. Um, but for 2022, Can-Am's putting 32-inch tires on their models, some of their models, um, which is huge. Just for 
the wow, I totally went blank there. Just for the the fact that a lot of guys buy these machines that come with 28s or 29s on it and they want to go to 30s and then they want to go to 32s. So like the base level Maverick X3 DS Turbo is a 64 inch 120 horsepower machine with 30 inch tires. They're running, they're wrapped to the Max's Carnivore. And then you, through various trim levels, um, they have the Turbo RR and there's all kinds of letters. But then you get into their Smart Shocks, which is basically the competitor to um, the dynamic suspension from Polaris. Um, their Trail Active Mode and their Trophy Truck Inspired AA Arms. But you get up into the, for example, the Maverick X3 RS Turbo RR. 200 horsepower. 72 inches wide with up to 24 inches of travel. Wrapped in 32-inch Maxxis Carnivore tires on 14-inch beadlock wheels. And this is something else that a lot of people don't talk about when they talk about Can-Am. Is a lot of the Can-Am models come from the factory with beadlocks. And some of their models don't. Polaris has one option from the factory that comes with beadlocks, and it's their um, Razor XP 1000 Rock and Trails Edition. Comes with with beadlocks wrapped in the uh, Pro Armor Crawler XG tires. Now, when you go to tire selection, I'm going to go with the. Crawler XGs all day long. Again, everything I say in my show is my opinion, but even the Pro XP from Polaris, they're coming stock with the Maxxis Carnivore. Now, in the right terrain, if you live in the right part of the world, the Maxxis Carnivore is a great tire. But out here in the desert or the mountains where you get a lot of rocks and, and rough terrain, the Maxxis Carnivore is not the right tire. And we know Maxxis has had their hands in the cookie jar as being the OEM tires for Polaris, for Honda, for Kawasaki, for Can-Am for a long time. I mean, the most popular tire in the off-road community right now in UTVs and ATVs still to this day and has been for many, many, many years through its many evolutions is the Maxxis Bighorn the stock tire on the Razor XP 1000. Now, Polaris is kind of getting away from the Maxxis at times. I don't know if it's supply chain issues or what. Um, some of the units now are coming with a Trailmaster tire. Um, it's actually what came on our Razor. It's a decent tire. Um, I'll just give you my opinion on it quick. It's super, super soft. Um, I've noticed at what, I don't even know how many miles we have on our razor now, but, um, 
like 380. The tires are, they chew up real, real easy. So, again, it's a premium tire. The Maxxis is a premium tire. The Carnivore is a premium tire. The tread pattern on the Carnivore, I'm not a fan of. Whether, I don't care whose machine it's on, just not a fan of the Carnivore. But back to, to Can-Am's announcement that, you know, they're, you know, 200 horsepower, 72 inches in a 72 inch wide unit. Their four seaters have 22 inches of usable suspension travel, which is crazy. Now, again, everything on this podcast is my opinion. The Can-Am right now is a, is a class leader. And the reason I say that is it, from the showroom floor, having an, a unit with the option of 200 horsepower Polaris can't touch that right now. You can get a Pro XP that off the floor you're 181 horsepower. That 20 horsepower when you're ripping through the desert is a lot of horsepower. It's a, there's a lot of difference. Now, the other side to that coin is do you need 200 horsepower if you're not racing? Um, no, not realistically. Is 200 horsepower nice to have? Absolutely. You're going to leave a lot of people in your dust running 200 horsepower. The base level Can-Ams this year, 120 horsepower. And I do stand corrected as I read through my notes here. I'm kind of all over the place tonight. Um, some of the Can-Am models are coming with the ITP cryptid tires. And I apologize. It sounds like my neighbor's dogs are freaking out. And I know you can hear that in the microphone because it's feeding back really bad through my headphones. So apologies for the background noise. Okay, it stopped. So Can-Am, with their 2022 lineup in just the X3 line, has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, seventeen. I should have counted that before. Uh, I should have put that in my notes. Seventeen models, and that's not counting the different levels within each model. So that's a lot for any manufacturer. Now, 
On top of that, you have the Maverick Sport, a line they have been working on for the guys who don't want the the 200 horsepower machines. And then they have the Maverick Trail, which is the competitor to um, the Polaris new the new Polaris Trail platform and the CF Moto of the world in their 50-inch models and 60-inch models. So a quick recap or a quick overview. The Maverick Trail starting at $11,799. The Maverick Sport starting at $15,699. And the X3 starting at $19,999. So right in line with where everybody's at right now. Um, as I touched on in the episode about Polaris where they talked about, um, where I talked about the XP chassis and how they've, they basically kept that around to keep a value price point unit Um, to be competitive in that area. And they Polaris has the new trail line with the trail and the trail S. Man, I am falling apart in this episode tonight. I lost my notes. Anyway, we were talking about... I was talking about Can-Am's lineup for 2022. Um, looking... At it from above with an unbiased view. Um, because again, I, I work for a Polaris dealership. I own a Polaris. I'm I'm invested in Polaris. Um, Can-Am right now is kind of kicking everybody's butt in the fact that they... Performance and horsepower, their options, um, just overall what you could pick from Can-Am versus Polaris right now for 2022 is is quite impressive. I can't deny that. I can't I can't have an episode telling my listeners about how great the 2022 Polaris lineup is when Can-Am drops their lineup. I can't ignore it and not give my opinion. That's what my show is all about, to tell you what's out there. But where Polaris is still leading the way and paving paving the trail, if you will, is technology. Can-Am still does not have anything close to what Polaris has with their ride command and their trail tech and everything involved with the GPS and, and digital gauges and everything that Polaris is doing. Um, and I hate to say it, it's only a matter of time till these other manufacturers catch up. And I just hope that Polaris sticks with it and and continues to evolve and be the game changer. Because at the end of the day, no matter what uh, UTV or ATV or dirt bike or whatever you drive, when it comes to the sports side-by-side -side world, we all have to respect what Polaris has done. 2008, they created the first Ranger Razor. And when they created the Ranger Razor, it was literally to be a sport, a sportier trim option for the Ranger. 
and they realized the popularity behind it and what it could be and it evolved into what it is today. I had Matthew on a few episodes ago and he talked about the first when Vegas Torino started, when Best in the Desert started, they were out there racing John Deere Gators through the desert. Nobody would do that today. There's sixty, seventy, eighty, a hundred thousand dollars put into into these razors to race them. And Can Am teams are doing the same. Honda teams are doing the same. But you have to, like I said, we have to respect that Polaris started this, what we have today, to, to be where we're at, and for to me, for me to even have this podcast where I talk about it. And I guess I'm I'm one of the lucky ones, um, you know. I look back at where I was two years ago or a year and a half ago. If you'd have asked me that I'd be racing in Vegas Torino in a in a Polaris Razor, living in the desert, doing what I love every day, um, I'd have told you I was crazy. Or I'd have told you you were crazy. For the fact of of where this has all evolved to. And I'm just appreciated, appreciative of it. Um, it's a lot of fun, um, and I, you know, I've said it before in the show. I don't care if ten people listen to it, or twenty-five people listen to it, or two hundred people listen to it. Um, I do this podcast because I enjoy it. I enjoy talking about this stuff um, each and every week. So once again, thank you to all my listeners. I know this episode was kind of off the rails a little bit. My notes got all messed up here and I kind of rambled more than anything. Um, But thank you to everyone who listens to my show each week. If you want to stay tuned and follow me between episodes, you can follow me on Instagram, Nevada underscore Traveler. And you can also follow The Trail Talk Show on Facebook dot com forward slash the trail talk show or by searching it on your app so with that that's gonna put a wrap on this week's show i'm jordan so long everybody